Welcome to Better Than Yesterday Podcast, an inspiring weekly show by life's competitors for life's competitors. For more information on the show, visit competeeveryday.com. And now, your host, Chief Encouragement Officer of Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday Podcast. I'm excited you're here as we get into another week and talk with a new guest about how you can be better than yesterday in all areas of your life. Your goals, your relationships, your dreams, your health, your life itself is worth competing for. And so my goal each and every week as show host is to bring you guests and share insights and stories on how you can continually compete to be better than you were yesterday. Today's guest is Marcus Aurelius Anderson. He is a speaker, a mindset coach, and the author of a new book that you absolutely are going to want to check out. Today, we talk about Marcus's story and how an injury, a severe spinal injury, actually left him paralyzed from the neck down. They were unsure if he'd actually ever be able to walk again or use his hands, but it was only through the gift of his adversity that Marcus's career and, and what he was put on earth to do was awakened. And so today's story is an, expi- an inspiring one as you hear what Marcus has gone through to get to where he is, and, and more importantly, why he considers adversity a gift and how it applies directly to the Compete Everyday message and what you can apply each and every day when life throws curveballs at you, when a Goliath stands in your way, and when most people take the attitude of, why me? Selfishly, why me? Why do I have to face this? As a competitor, you stare that obstacle down and you say, try me. And without further ado, I am excited to welcome to the show this week, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. All right, Marcus, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm phenomenal, Jake. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, man, I'm excited to get connected and and spend some time today talking. I obviously am a huge fan of your mindset around the gift of adversity. But before I kind of dive into that stuff, why don't you tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and background, and then we'll just jump in. Absolutely, Jake. So I joined the military at the ripe old age of 38 years old, and I needed some sort of challenge in my life. I had gone through a couple of... um, traumatic things there. I had recently been divorced, and then my great uncle, who was a, a huge male role model for me, had passed. So that was a pretty devastating um, one-two combination. I was in school. I was trying to focus on what I wanted to do, and I was just burned out emotionally, physically, intellectually, and joining the military seemed to be a, um, what I'd wanted to do for a long time. I ended up joining. I They signed an age waiver to get me in. Um, in 2012, while preparing to deploy with the military, with the army there, uh, I suffered a severe spinal injury that left me paralyzed from the neck down. I was told that I would never walk again, and that was when I really kind of began my journey to start to figure out what was really important and what was not. And so how long throughout the course of that pro- process were you were you paralyzed? I was paralyzed for a year, but I was completely paralyzed for three months. I That's when I did a lot of my soul searching and after three months, I got a little bit of movement back, and then eventually I was able to, after nine months after that, between physical therapy and occupational therapy, I was able to regain um, my ability to you know, ambulate on my own. So, 
Awesome, man. That's uh, I can't imagine what probably mentally that journey was like for you throughout the course of that that progress of. I mean, did doctors at that time tell you that there was an opportunity you would get movement back, or was it more of we have no idea this could this couldn't happen? The what happened is I ruptured a disc in my neck and it um, was compressing my spinal cord, and they were saying that essentially. Listen, once we remove the disc out of your neck and we put all this metal in there to stabilize your cervical spine, once that happens, if you don't walk within a couple of days, that tells us that there is severe permanent nerve damage. And because of that, if you aren't walking within a couple of days, by the time you get to the out of the ICU, you're probably never going to walk again. And full disclosure, I still do have neuropathy. I still have numbness from about the middle of my forearms to my hands and the middle of my shins to my feet. So I... I didn't get out completely unscathed, but compared to where I was, you know, I will absolutely take it. And that's why I'm, it, it's, it's, it may sound kind of silly, but I'm actually grateful that I still have some of this neuropathy because it keeps me cognizant every day and it keeps me tethered to that adversity. So it keeps me grateful all the time, realizing that my entire body was much more, you know, much more numb and much more in a bad situation than what I am currently. So just having that every day kind of keeps me honest and keeps me cognizant of what I, I've accomplished. So I, I want to I want to ask you a little bit about that because obviously as we were getting ready for the show and looking at some – I was obviously doing some research on things. I see that you're fairly active. Uh, you know, I see you've got different Facebook lives from being out and, and either running or hiking or whatever that case may be. Were you incredibly active before you went into the military? And then obviously if you're still having numbness and – hands and forearms in different areas mentally what's that been like what's that journey been like to understand that you've regained movement but life is still it's not what it was yes absolutely the i was in pretty good shape anyway i've been doing martial arts my entire life so that that keeps me pretty you know spry as it were having said that going into the military that sort of training is very different um you know, military fit is different than being a person that can lift weights in the gym. You have to be able to run. You have to be able to carry that rucksack that has all the weight. And you have to be able to really push your body under extreme conditions, which is what a warrior does. Having said that, the thing that's actually helped me a lot is going back into the martial arts. So with my hands, for example, being able to grasp a, a blade or a stick or even trying to maneuver a, a firearm, for example, those are all things that are really good, almost like specific movements that help me with this almost like an occupational therapy kind of idea where if I can swing the stick a little bit, even if I can't really do it as well as I did before, that sticks will still move at a hundred miles an hour. So that keeps me, it helps me with my proprioception and all my motor skills and all that dexterity. So, you know, I, I'm not exactly where I was before again, running and things like that. But again, compared to where I was, I'm, I'm very grateful to have what I have and it makes me value the things that I can do much more than if I had taken them for granted before. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously your life has taken a dramatic turn since the, that time, but you've chosen one, the, the better of the two routes because when that situation happens, people are always forced with the two, the, the why me and woe is me or the try me. And, and I'm going to see what I've got and understand that through this, I'm going to be strengthened, which is obviously the path you've been on and inspired your book, The Gift of Adversity. And so 
was it through that process that you truly discovered kind of the idea that pressure creates diamonds? Did you have some things, obviously it sounded like your personal life before enrolling in the army, you had some of those pieces. And if it was something that during this just difficult period in life, dealing with the injury, I mean, how did you train yourself to, to take on that mindset? Because it, it's not something that's easy. I mean, any injury is one that you struggle with mentally, I believe, more than physically. I mean, if I, I tore my Achilles, you know, six, seven months ago, and mentally it's been a bigger struggle just trying to get back to quote-unquote normal than it ever was physically. And so you have been obviously on a much more farther down the scale with this type of approach. And so did you have the mental strength going in or was it through the course of this that you developed it and really started to see here's ways I can become mentally stronger for what the road ahead looks like? It's a, it's an interesting question because there are a lot of things that we think that we believe or there are a lot of things that conceptually we, we feel that we believe in, but you you really don't know what you believe in until you were truly tested in this manner. And so through the martial arts and through all these things, I had these philosophical ideals from Stoicism, Taoism, and all those things. But when you're faced with it and you're staring down this the rest of your life, because it's different. You and I both know that we're going to die at some point. We know there's an expiration date. But when you're 40 years old and you are in a bed and you think to yourself, okay, I'm not going to be able to walk for the rest of my life. So now there is this huge amount of regret. So you have all the regret of not getting as much done with your life as a person that is about to pass, for example. But I still have, I'm still alive. So that was a horrible, in my mind, that was a horrible situation to be in. That was almost worse than death. So I went through a very dark place of three months of just very much angry, very much woe was me, very much the pity party. And eventually I got to the point where I realized that anger was not serving me. The anger was wasting my mental and emotional energy. And that if this is all that I had, that I had to try to make the best of what that was, whatever that may be. And the interesting thing was after doing that, about two weeks after I made that decision to start figuring out what to be grateful for and to figure out what the lesson was on my injury, that's whenever I started getting a little bit of movement back in my hand. That's that's incredible timing. It, it, it really is. And it's, I've, I've had different people talk to me and some of them will say, well, you know, perhaps this is something that would have happened on its own. Uh, you know, maybe it was, I, I don't really know, but all I do know for certain is that when that happened, I just tried to feed into that and, and continue to do that. And I live every moment of my life in that same manner today where I, I don't want to regress. I don't want to go back to where I was. And so I don't take anything for granted and I'm I'm grateful even for the the days that aren't always you know, you know heaven on earth as it were. Yeah, and so obviously you do coaching, you do some other work. I'm interested because not everyone can relate to the the near death experience, the being disabled. Uh, you know, there's certain aspects of your story that are absolutely incredible, and a lot of people would look at and say, I don't know how I would handle that situation, but I also haven't had to deal with some of that situation. You're a teacher at heart now. You're, you're coaching people. You're working with people. How are you able to work with those individuals that you know there's a disconnect in terms of some of your story, but obviously not all of your story? Absolutely. The, the thing about adversity is it's, it's relative, and we will all encounter it in some capacity in our lives. 
So for some of us, the adversity may be something as, you know, maybe unemployment for some people. I've, I've had some clients that are depressed, so their adversity is just getting out of bed, for example. But in my TEDx talk, I discuss how that I, I talk about myself, but then I pointed other people, you know, in other countries that, you know, don't even have clean water, don't even have clean food, people that have been sold into slavery, you know, all these different things. So it's, it's all about what's relative to us. And I look at everything on an adversity scale. So 10 is the worst thing that we've ever encountered for each individual person. And zero is this perfect nirvana state. So what I try to get them to do is understand, think about what's the worst thing that's happened to you. That's your 10. Think about your zero, which is your perfect place. And now ask yourself the thing that you're encountering currently, honestly, where does that, where does that tick? And a lot of times when we look at it, it's usually maybe a two or a three because we allow ourselves to feed into that negativity. So when we start looking from a very high level and say, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, this is just a drop in the bucket and maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. When we do that, it keeps us honest and it keeps us focused and it helps us really just understand that, you know, I can get through this. And, and that's why the adversity is a gift because without adversity spurring us on, we would never reach those levels of, of greatness and we would never reach those, those depths of strength that we all possess. Because as human beings, we don't want to have to do that. We want to be comfortable. We want to be complacent. And that's kind of the nature of the beast. So adversity kicks us in the ass and makes us reach for more, even when we don't feel like it. Absolutely. It's the courage over comfort and the importance of that and how much it does for just life and putting us in a position to to be the person that we need to to accomplish the things we want in life, ultimately. You know, we, we set the we set the big goals, uh, and for a lot of people, they set easy goals because they're like, ah, oh, maybe I can reach this next week. But <laughs> but you know, the ones that that struggle, they set the big goal that at this moment in time they are not ready to achieve them. It's only by the struggle, you know, the the painfulness, honestly, that that equips them to be that individual. I mean, from a fitness perspective, we talk about it all the time. When you work out, when you run, when you do certain things, you're, you're breaking down muscle so that it can build itself stronger. You run sprints to where you want to throw up and your legs burn. So you build that endurance factor. Um, and the same applies to life. We just tend to forget that and, and have a disconnect between what's going on in, in the workouts and what's actually works in reality. And that's, that's exactly right. And the reality is, for better or for worse, pain and discomfort are the best teachers. Yeah. They, they, they give us no quarter, and they, they force us to go beyond them to get to that next level. And just like you're saying, you know, resilience and adversity, it, it, it is like a muscle. So if I'm picking up the same amount of weight every single day, I'm not pushing myself. So I need to put more weight on that bar. Now, am I going to pick up 500 pounds off the ground? Not the first time, probably. But the idea is... Our, our reach should always exceed our, our grasp. We should always be trying to reach for more. And the idea is we aim above our target so that we can eventually hit it. Because if we don't try to compensate, and if we don't try to really exceed what we normally are doing, then, you know, I, I say in the book, misery loves company, but not as much as mediocrity. So, so if you and I are around a bunch of people that are making $80,000 and then I'm making $150,000 a year, I might think I'm really doing really well. But if my capacity is to bring in $300 million and help more people, then I'm not even touching anywhere close to what I'm capable of doing. So we have to ask more of ourselves on a consistent basis. 
and that can be in every realm that we that we're working in every day. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Now, I, I want to switch gears briefly because you went through a life changing experience. Uh, your mindset, so many aspects of your life changed, and and you ultimately created a career out of it and put to where you're investing into others to help them become stronger and and better adept with adversity, almost embracing that adversity as a means to prepare you for more. What what was that journey like in terms of figuring out what exactly you wanted to do? Because I know a lot of people listening, they have a passion, they have a desire, they have a, a fire to do something more than what they're currently doing. But for a lot of people, they never are able to connect the dots in terms of this is what I'm meant to do, this is what my skill set allows me to do with something that they can make a career out of. How, how did that journey go for you in terms of becoming who you are now in, in professional sense to help others? Yeah, I, you know, I sort of fell into it because I didn't really have a choice. You know, the whole idea of, you know, being injured the way I was, I was in chiropractic school before I actually joined the military. I was in Atlanta. I had about a year and a half before I finished my doctorate. But the, the thing that we, we start seeing is everything that we're doing is an opportunity to learn something, to, to better ourselves. And in my book, I talk about this Japanese concept. It's called Ikigai. And there are, people have probably seen this. There are essentially four circles that overlap. And in this one circle is you know what you love. Another circle is what you can get paid for. Another circle is what you're good at. And then another circle is what the world needs. And as all four of these start to overlap, you'll start seeing these commonalities where you could be, these are things that you could do for a living as a vocation. These are things that you could do to give you fulfillment. And eventually you start seeing where these things that you're interested in, whether it be music, whether it be, you know, physicality like martial arts or, or working out, eventually if you start looking at these things from that kind of viewpoint, you start saying, well, if I enjoy working out, perhaps I could open a gym, perhaps I could get into a supplement company, perhaps I could open a supplement. I mean, uh, gym apparel, maybe I could be a trainer, maybe I could sponsor shows. When we start looking at things from an entrepreneurial mindset and looking at the opportunities as opposed to just saying to ourselves, I work a nine to five and I can't get out of this place. When we start looking for the opportunities, we start seeing those more and more often. And adversity is actually a fantastic way to, to create opportunity if we look at it as such. The idea is to not allow it to define us and limit us but allow it to push us outside of those limits that we would normally expect from ourselves so that we can get a lot more out of what we're doing and we can see things from a different perspective. I dig it, man. That's uh, that's a killer approach to life that I hope that more people can start to apply. I hope that because I think at that point it gives you the ability to inspire others with your story. Yeah, that's my goal. And, and that's the thing too. I mean, I, when I teach leadership, I always say, if you're not leading by example, you're not really leading. And you know, people will listen to people's words, but if you want to know what somebody believes, you actually observe their actions. So I'm trying to do that as you know every day. That's awesome. All right, Marcus. If people have heard the show, they're like, "Man, I love this guy's mindset." We are definitely aligned in terms of that. They're obviously people listening are competitors. They're they're in- intentional about being better than yesterday, which means they're embracing the adversity life has before them. How can they get connected with you? You obviously have a new book out. I want to tell people how to how they can find that. We're, we're going to be linking to it, but tell us about the book. Tell us how they can get connected with you online. 
Absolutely. You can get my book at Amazon.com on as a as a a physical book or on Kindle. If you go to my website, MarcusAureliusAnderson.com, that's all one word. You can find out more about booking me to speak to for speaking engagements or for coaching if you want to do that. If you want to get the book, you can get it there. We'll have a link for that. If you look at me on LinkedIn, I'm I'm there on that handle. I'm on Instagram as well, Facebook and Twitter. So anywhere that you look for me, if you use the Google web thingy, you'll find me, I think. Awesome. Awesome. Marcus, thanks for joining the show tonight, man. This has been great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed myself, my friend. That's it for another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. I I appreciate you as a listener. I appreciate each member of the Compete community, and I'm glad that you tuned in this week, and hopefully you found some value in what we shared and who we brought on and just all the types of content we're out sharing. So if you've got feedback, like I said, shoot us a note directly to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Connect with us on social media. Say hi. Tell us you found the podcast. We love connecting with new members of the community. We want to welcome you. uh, and We want to find ways to connect you and equip you with ways that you can be better than yesterday. Have a great week.